church on the move. The church on the move. Now, I'm sure you probably know this, but the word Joshua is the Hebrew word for the New Testament word Jesus. And the word means Jehovah is salvation. So that Joshua is a type of Jesus for us, and he is the deliverer for us. But let's notice, beginning at verse 1 of the third chapter of the book of Joshua. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are coming to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. Now we'll stop there and deal with most of the chapter tonight in the church on the moon. There'll be three points that we'll see this evening, and we will try to illustrate these as we travel through this chapter. First, we'll see the promise of a performance. Well, we will try to illustrate what Abraham believed according to Romans chapter 4. Paul said that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Now, don't forget those three little P's, ladies and gentlemen. What God had promised Cause the persuasion of a performance. There are some people who are trying to get a persuasion of a promise to have a performance, and there are others who are trying to get some kind of performance to persuade them of a promise, but if you ever get a promise, that'll persuade you of a performance. In other words, God's promise is all you need to energize faith and to establish faith and cause it to be thrown into operation. Well, here we'll illustrate the promise. Look at verse number 1 where it said, And Joshua rose early in the morning. I remember one time I was preaching this particular section and got under conviction in my own sermon. Now you preachers probably never done that, but I did. And I got under conviction on the phrase, Joshua rose early in the morning. And the Lord dealt with my heart all that next week of, about the, the reasons why I rose early in the morning. And the Lord said, Son, did you know you rise early to do what you want to do the most? And you rise late to do what you want to do the least. And he said, What do you want to do the most? I said, Lord, I don't know what I want to do the most. And then he reminded me of all my deer hunting trips and all my fishing trips. Man, when I'm going hunting and fishing, I rise early in the morning. In fact, it doesn't do me any good to go to bed. I'm too excited to sleep. Well, here Joshua rose early in the morning, and there are four times in the book of Joshua that he rises early. 
And here's one of them that Joshua rose early in the morning to journey. But if you'll read chapter 6, verses 12 and 15, he arose early to obey the Lord. The third time in chapter 7, verse 16, said he arose early to deal with sin. I was in the time of Achan. Ladies and gentlemen, if we get back to rising early to deal with sin, we'd be a lot better off. Now that's a figurative statement for us. It just means that's your first opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if we wouldn't let the sun go down on our wrath? Wouldn't it be great if we'd rise early at the first opportunity to deal with sin? And the fourth time is in chapter 8 verse 10 where he rose to do battle for the glory of God. So Joshua rose early in the morning. If you'll read the story of our Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 35, it said that Jesus rose early to pray. And if you'll read the story of Job, you'll find that Job rose early to make an offering for his family. And third, if you'll read your Bible, you'll find that there are those in the book of Acts who rose early to teach the Word of God. But the Scripture also said there were some who rose early to hear the Word of God. Wouldn't it be great if people couldn't wait to get back to the meeting house of God to hear the Word of God? Wouldn't it be great if preachers had such a preacher age they couldn't wait to get to the meeting house of God? But today there's such discouragement and despondency among preachers. Did you hear about that man? That his, his mother woke him up on Sunday morning and said it's time to go to church. And he said, I'm not going anymore. Said, I'm tired of that much. I'll not go to church anymore. She said, you've got to go. He said, I'll not do it. She said, you've got to. He said, give me two reasons. She said, number one, you're 40 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. And some folks who have such a hard time, a difficult time, some preachers don't even want to go back to the meeting house of God and preach. But you know why that is? Because some folks are giving him such a hard time. I see some folks who say, I wouldn't want my boy to preach. You preachers have such a hard time. Well, if you folks wouldn't give us such a hard time, we wouldn't have such a hard time. Man, you want us to have a better time? Treat us better. Amen. I mean, we'd handle sinners. It's the so-called saints who give us trouble. And I put the emphasis on so-called. Man, that crowd will kill you. It's always been the religious crowd who crucified you. They crucified Jesus. They'll crucify the men of God. They'll crucify the local church. They'll tear it down and destroy it. Why? Because they're already on the devil's side in hell. You find a man giving a preacher a hard time, you find a man that's lost or either a child of God out of his mind. He's sick. See, if you say you're not going to give the man of God a hard time, he's on your side. That's God, I'm for you, preach. I'm not against you. I'm against the devil, not the men of God. I'm against the devil's crowd as far as their sins concerned. I love the sinners, but I hate their sin. But you find that crowd who's persecuting the church and tearing down the men of God and tearing apart the saints and you done found somebody either out of the will of God or just lost. And I believe most of the time it's the latter one. 
I now hear there was some who arose early to hear the word of God. And there were some who rose early to teach the word of God. But four, there were some who arose early to perform the will of God like Abraham. If you'll read Genesis 22 verse 3, it said that Abraham rose early in the morning when he left going to the land of Moriah. Then fifth, you'll see that there were some who rose early to seek the Lord. That's the reason Psalm 63 verse 1 speaks of, I will seek Him early. I want to seek Him at my earliest convenience. If I have to let everything else go, I want to seek Him first. I want my top priority to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and let all the rest of these things be added unto me. And then six, rising early to go to the house of God. Second Chronicles 29, 20. They arose early and went to the meeting house of God. Man, I don't know about some folks. They can't even get up on Sunday morning to get to church at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. But this rising early. But the problem is, that's what they want to do the least. Man, I get up early on Sunday, on Saturday morning to watch TV cartoons, kids do. And Sunday morning, you have to almost drag them out of bed and put them in the shower. Say, how do you know? I got three of them. And I was one of them one time. So don't look like you're so religious it never happened to you. When you was a kid, you had the same trouble the kids got today. The only difference in the kids nowadays and the kids when we was kids is that they got more to get into than we had. And if we'd been living in this day, we'd get got in the same thing they're getting into. But oh, wouldn't it be great if we could rise early to go to the meeting house of God. Now Joshua rose early in the morning and he removed from Shittim and came to Jordan and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And then said after three days, now there are four little brief truths I want you to see and we're still in the introduction getting to the first point. Number one is the waiting place. The waiting place. Joshua had waited 40 years for this experience. 40 years he'd waited at Kadesh Barnea. He and Caleb had stood for God and all those 20 years old and under God did not place them under a curse and they didn't die in the wilderness. But they suffered as a result of the disobedience of their daddies and mamas. And let me tell you something, dear friends. There are some folks in our churches who will have to suffer because of the disobedience of some folks in the church who vote wrong. You say, why? A committee of twelve... At Kadesh Barnea had a vote and ten of them voted against Moses and against going into the land of Canaan. And two of them voted to go and the ten outvoted the two and they didn't go but the ten I won but they lost. The ten were wrong. That's the reason a committee is not always right. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. You're welcome. That's one time there's wrong. But the children of God between ages 20 and below and Caleb and Joshua had to suffer for 40 years because of the disobedience of a crowd. Amen. And I want to tell you something else. 
And some folks in a church can outnumber those who are spiritual. Amen. And outnumber those who are wanting to go for God. Amen. And those who are spiritual will have to suffer some of the disgrace and some of the shame and some of the same curse because of that crowd yeah. who missed God right. and who voted against God. But God will raise up a whole new generation yeah. and give them a yeah. second chance. And in the second chance, they'll take it and go into the land of Canaan where their forefathers voted wrong. Amen. 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 But he had to get them out of Katie's Barney to do it. Man, he couldn't leave them up there in that place. He had to get them out and separate them. So he pulled them down in the wilderness, and that crowd died off. And 40 years, old Caleb and Joshua suffered. But I didn't see old Caleb, and I didn't see Joshua say, Boys, one of these days, we're going to go into the land of Canaan. God done, God done told us it's ours. God done told us we're going. And one of these days, we're going. 40 years he waited. And when it came to the Jordan River, they stopped. Yep. Not only says, 40 long years they waited for this time. And then they came to the bank of the Jordan and God stopped them for three days. Three days. That's the waiting period. The wedding place is the bank of the Jordan. It said they lodged there. That's what I call the Jordanian Lodge. It's not the like a lodge is today either, but that's the Jordanian Lodge. That's the lodging place. You see the waiting period. The waiting place and the waiting period. Third, you see the waiting people. All the people waited on Joshua. You say, well, what was Joshua doing? Waiting on God. I can see Joshua the first day. I can see one of the elders come up and say, What are we going to do, Joshua? Let's go, Joshua. Why are we going, Joshua? I don't know. What you doing, Joshua? Waiting on God. I'm sure it tore that crowd up. We wanted 40 years in the wilderness. God said the land's ours. Let's go get it. Now that was the most dangerous place for them to be in. The reason being, they were tempted with presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins. To presume something. To pretend something's that way. They could have said... Well, we got the greatest leader. We got the greatest preacher. That's Joshua. And they could have taken for granted the will of God. And without proving it. And acting without permission. You say, what was Joshua waiting on? He was waiting on the promise from God. Amen. Amen. He said, but that's all right to Jordan. Yes. But how was he going to get across? Anybody can jump in the water. But there can't anybody part the river but God. Amen. And he doesn't part what he doesn't tell you. Amen. Hmm. Amen. See, a bunch of us preachers, we say, jump out and have faith, it'll part. That's not faith, that's stupidity. Amen. That's right. God never parts anything he hadn't told you. Amen. Amen. 
And somehow it says, well, let's get him in on it. Let's get his promise. Let's try to persuade him of a promise. Uh-uh, you wait on the promise, and it'll persuade you, and you'll get a performance. Because most folks hadn't heard anything, seen anything, or done anything. They tried to act like Abraham, but just spoke part of the verse. The Bible said Abraham went out not knowing whether he went. But the scripture said when he was called, he went out not knowing whether he went. You don't care where you go as long as you call. And if you ever get the call of God, you don't care how it is. You just believe it and it's going to be performed just like he said. First day, Joshua was sitting down in the bank waiting on God. But everybody else is stopped too, waiting on God. And I said, like some of the church folks come to the pastor and say, Pastor, which way are we going now? And the pastor says, we're going across. They say, when? I don't have any idea. How are we going to get across there? I don't know. I'm waiting on God. Well, don't you think you hurry up? And then somebody goes out and says, well, if that preacher's in the will of God, he'd know how to get across this river. No, you can't know anything as a man of God until you find the promise of God. And God works through his man, folks. And the folks, the people, follow the vision of the man of God. I can't stand this crowd who are in church who are always trying to get their own vision and tell the man of God what to do. Hey, God didn't give you the vision to tell the man of God. God gives the man of God and you follow the vision of the man. I don't like that. Doesn't make me any difference. That's the trouble calling him. They didn't like the leadership of God either. And the ground opened up and swallowed them up. If they asked you, I wouldn't get around. I won't get around you. I'm afraid the ground opened up and swallowed me too. <laughs> so what do you say? I'm saying you follow the leadership of the man of God. And he's not going to lead you anywhere. He won't go first. Amen. 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 He said, man, I wouldn't want to follow anybody like that. Well, if I was you, I'd go get in a church where I could follow somebody like that. Man, follow the man of God to jump in all places. Jump all with him as long as he jumps all before you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey! Joshua told the priests what to do and told the people what to do. But first day, they're just waiting on God. Can you see the sun go down the first day? And some of them said, well, boy, that's a day wasted. Didn't do a thing today. Nothing. Praise God, when you're waiting on God, you can't do a better thing. Wait on God. You say it's better be doing something than waiting on God. Don't you know waiting on God is doing something? Amen. That's right. Hey, what better thing is it than to wait on God? Man, when you don't know which way to go, you just don't know which way to go. And just because you don't know which way to go doesn't mean you're backslidden. You just don't know which way to go. And you're waiting on the promise of God. And here Joshua is waiting on the voice of God to give him a promise, to persuade him of a performance, has to get across the river. And the first day God didn't give it. And I'd see the sun come up the second day. And here he sits. I'd see one of the elders come up and say, what are we going to do today, Joshua? Joshua said, going to wait on God. I thought we did that yesterday. We did. Well, why don't you go ahead and jump on in? I'd hear Joshua say to one of them, well, why don't you go jump in for us? <laughs> Won't you go ahead and jump in? You drowned. Uh, I see that some folks in our church won't tell everybody else how to do it, but they're not willing to do it themselves. Uh huh. They're willing to criticize the preacher and everybody else for not leading them when they won't jump in themselves. Uh, Joshua wasn't going to be presumptuous on God. Church doesn't move according to the dictates of the preacher. It doesn't move according to the dictates of the deacons or the church members. It moves according to the leadership of God. Amen. And folks, unless he speaks, there's nothing. Right. Then somebody says, well, we pour the whole thing in a mold. You don't pour it in a mold if it's a God. When it's time to wait on God, you can't do anything else but wait on God. But that doesn't mean you're doing nothing. Praise God, you're doing something. You're waiting on God. And I'd rather wait on Him because when He gets there, the battle's going to be won. And I had not to wait on Him. And Him had to come look me up. Or wherever He finds me, I'll be in defeat. 
And this departing from the bank without a promise will end in utter defeat. And there have been many men of God and many churches so presumptuous that they moved out ahead of God. And when they did, they were defeated and they blamed God for not taking care of them. God's not obligated to take care of you unless you wait on His promise. And when He tells you, He'll back it up with His kingdom. Heaven and earth will, pass, will not pass away. He will fulfill His promise. But you don't get so presumptuous as to step out and try to get him in, in on what you already got planned. Trouble, most of us, we've got preconceived ideas. I see some folks about revival meetings. They get their headset as to what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do in the meeting, and when he does something else, they're disappointed. Huh, they got preconceived ideas. I've seen the same thing about personal conclusion and evaluations. They evaluate the circumstances and say, boy, watch God, he's going to do this. And when God gets on the scene, he dumbfounds him and everybody else and gets glory to his name. He doesn't do what you want and you don't calculate according to circumstances his will. He's going to do what he wants to. And if you wait on him, you'll get a demonstration of his promise. Oh, something glorious is about to happen. But here he is waiting on God and everybody's just waiting. Everybody's waiting. They're all at the bank doing nothing. Second day the sun sets. Nothing. Third day the sun comes up and here's Joshua still sitting there. I can see, boy, if it's today since this is a church on the move, I can see some other church down the road. Say, what are you folks doing? Waiting on God. Bunch of backslidden folks doing nothing down there. Nothing going on. Hey, when nothing's going on, that doesn't mean something's not about to. Amen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, when it's waiting time, on the surface it looks like nothing's going on. And I found everybody judges you when nothing's going on. Everybody's critical when nothing's going Amen. on. Everybody tears you down when nothing's going on. And everybody says you're out of the will of God when nothing's going on. And then when something does go on, they're all dumbfounded. Amen. Praise God, Ooh. the waiting time and the waiting place and the waiting people, but for the waiting purpose. You say, what are they waiting on? They're just waiting on a promise from God. And they get it. Joshua gets it. And he tells those soldiers, he tells his commanders, he says, you go through and tell the people. And look what he said in verse number 3. When you see the ark. Now that ark always stood for divine presence. Always for divine presence. He said, when you see the ark about to move, he said, you get in behind that and follow that. And praise God, that's exactly the crowd I want to follow. And that's the crowd that's carrying the ark. I want to go the way of the ark. I want to go the way of divine presence. He said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. That's the untrodden paths that God has for them. You say, preacher, when God has a church on the move, how are they going to know which way to go when they've never gone that way before? You follow the ark, ladies and gentlemen. You follow the divine presence. And when you see it move, follow it. And when you see it stop, stop. Because you're not doing anything wrong when you're waiting on the ark to lead you. Well, here he said there'll be a space between you and it. And so when you see the priest take up the ark and go, he said you sit in after them. Now here's the promise. Look at verse number 8. 
Thou shalt command the priest that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now look at verse 13. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Now that's a promise of a performance. God said, you take the ark, you priest. Joshua said, you take the ark, you priest. And the priest took the ark. And they were to set out first. And the promise is, as soon as the feet of the priest come to rest in the Jordan, said they'll stand still. And when they're standing still in Jordan, God said, I'll part that river. That's a promise. That's a promise, dear friend. But listen to what he said. When they come to rest, nobody but Joshua could give them that promise. And he got it from God. Jesus said, come unto me, all you weary and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Only doing what Jesus says is rest producing, dear friend. Have you ever read Hebrews chapter 4 where the Bible said, They that have believed have entered into rest. As God rested on the seventh day. God made the world in six days. and seventh day he rested. And the Bible said he finished it. The the seventh day or he finished it the sixth day and he saw it is all finished and rested the seventh day the word finished means you can't add anything to it and you can't take anything away from it and God didn't rest because he was tired God rested because he was through it was finished nothing to it and nothing taken away and God rested and the Bible said they that believed have entered into rest the day I was a sinner and I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ I entered into a completed finished work of redemption and salvation and I received rest when I believed and the reason being the salvation is not a works but of grace it's a finished redemption it's a finished salvation and when I believe I have a rest as God rested on the seventh day it's a finished work of God's grace. I can't add anything to my salvation. I can't take anything away from my salvation. It's over and done with. Thank God I'm saved and I'm resting in it. As creation rest, as salvation rest, but thank God there's an obedience rest. Ah, the obedience rest is when you do what He says. The obedience rest. Oh, when the feet of the priest come to rest in the promise. He said, there's going to step with Jordan here, yeah, but there's going to step in the promise. Oh, you said they're going to step in the water. Oh, yeah, but the water uh, was just what they could see. What they couldn't see was faith. They're going to step in the promise. What they couldn't see was the promise. And they're fixing to step into it. You say, but there's water flowing. Yeah, but there's something greater than the water flowing. There's something that the world can't see as a promise of God. And God said, as soon as the feet of the priest come to rest in the Jordan, said it'll part. That's a promise of a performance. That's the Bible said, believe on Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's God to promise his salvation. And if you believe, step into salvation, thou shalt be saved. And you'll have a rest that you never had before. Thank God it'll be an eternal rest and it'll be a secure rest. All right, now watch the persuasion of the promise. Now first, it's the promise of a performance. Now, they're fixing to get persuaded of this performance. Uh, you say, what did they do first? They went over and got the ark. 
And they wouldn't have gotten ours if they didn't believe it was going to happen. Well, and uh, what you need to do, folks, if you don't do this, you should do it. When I read the Bible, I put myself in their place. I don't read like a history. If they cross in Jordan, I cross it with them. When Daniel gets in line, then I get in there with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get in the fire furnace. I walk around and down in there with them. And that way, it gets personal. Praise God, it gets on and the glory gets on. Hey, I get over there with them. And I've gotten over there with those priests many times. In fact, why don't you come over and get a hold of that with me? And we'll just see what we'd have done if we'd have been there. And see, here we are. So I'm going to put old Jim Greathouse up here on the front. See, he's the priest too, you know, the lead priest. And so he's going to lead under the leadership of Joshua. So here he's got it. And now, they got a persuasion now of a performance of this promise that God had given them. Well, here they come. Can you see this? Let's use this edge of this platform right here as a river Jordan. Now the Bible says in the next chapter, and when it stepped out, it returned as, as it was before, overflowing its banks. At this particular time of harvest, it was flood tide, and the banks was just overflowing everywhere. I mean, there's water everywhere. And when it came, it was a rampaging river at this time. It, it was just flowing. Well, I can see these priests as they go pick up the ark now, and here they come. Let's put Brother Jim Greathouse up in the front of it, and some of the rest of you folks. Just grab a hold of this thing as we come along, see? And I can see Brother Jim as he looks at the river right there. And uh, I hear him say, uh, Hey, fellas, you believe God can do anything? Yeah, sure, God can do anything. You believe in part of the river? Sure, I believe it. Yeah, I believe that too. Closer he gets to the river. Hey, fellas, do you want God to part this river? See, this is intellectual faith and emotional faith. But that's not all faith. See, believing God can do anything and want Him to do it is really only two portions of faith. Faith doesn't come into operation until it's energized. Oh, until it becomes active, till you step in the promise. They hadn't stepped in the promise yet. And see, that's the reason some folks believe in God. And they, they, they believe in the cross and they believe in, in salvation, but never been saved themselves because they never had a place where they stepped into the promise. Man, you've got to have a place where you step into the promise. There's got to be a performance of the promise of salvation. Salvation is the performance. But you don't get the performance until you step into the promise. Boy, I like that. Hey, here he comes. Hey, fellas. I'm the first one in. Oh, Lord. I believe you can do anything. I want you to do it. Oh, me. And I know him. I know what he'd do for her. Let's have a prayer meeting, fellas. <laughs> Let's have a prayer meeting. Brother, call us pray. He must be backslidden. It hadn't parted yet. <laughs> see, this is what's called sight Baptist. They're not going to believe a thing unless they see it. Right, brother. Amen. I can hear one of them back in the crowd say, Brother Jim, don't you step in or you can see your way clear. That's right, brother. Amen, brother. Okay. We, we better not step out. We better not do anything until it parts. Please, Lord, part it. Please give it to us. Please, Lord, I step in as soon as it parts. <laughs> you, know, you know, Lord, I believe it as soon as I receive it. And as soon as I get it and it parts, I, I'll step in. But you know, I can't step in until I get it. Oh, I won't get it till I step in. You mean I got to believe it to receive it instead of receive it to believe it? Why can't I receive it first and then believe it and step in? Well, you mean I got to believe it and step in 
because you call it things to be not as it were said in Romans 4 and I got to believe it's already there before it's there in order for it to be there yeah that's right but Lord I, hey one of you pray for us folks there comes a time when it's not time to pray uh, you say I thought it's always a time to pray no there comes a time when it's not time to pray you know, I remember one time, give you an illustration. I, I went to North Carolina for a meeting. First camp meeting I ever preached in my life outside of Myrtle. I've been to Myrtle, and, uh, but I, I've never been to North Carolina in any of those camp meetings up there. And I preached a tri county camp meeting. I mean, one of those big ones. You know, you know tri county camp meeting. I went up to Spruce Pine, North Carolina, and uh, they had a meeting in a great big old tabernacle building, and I'd never seen anything like it in my life first night I was there, they had a huge row. I mean, it was longer from one side of your building to the other, full of preachers. And the next row was half full again. And they called on this fellow forth from my left to pray. And he just piled off on the floor and got into praying. I mean, like he's fighting, fighting a swarm of bees. And every one of those preachers on that row just piled off in the floor with him. And every one of them got to praying at the same time. <laughs> now, I don't know how you used to, but I'm not used to that. I mean, man... <laughs> I know, I've never seen anybody doing that. You know, guess do it. And as they're going at it, well, when I looked down through there, I decided I might better get off in the floor with them. <laughs> so I just got off down on the floor with them, but it didn't do me any good. All the time I was praying, I was wondering how in the world everybody's going to know how to hush because that fellow who was leading the prayer couldn't even hear himself praying. I couldn't hear him, and I was full fellow up from him. And uh, at least I was doing one, fulfilling one verse of Scripture. The Bible says, watch and pray. So there's a prayer, and I was a watching. <laughs> I don't know how they knew, but they all started cutting it off like that. And he said, Amen. And so when we sat back down, well, that's like some folks, they want to watch and pray. Watch and pray. And as soon as they see it, they're going to believe it. You don't wait till you see it. You don't see it till you believe it. And there comes a time when it's not time to pray. And there comes a time when it's not time to praise either. Hey, how about you shouting a while? Hey, glory! Hallelujah! 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 Well, that didn't do it either. You say you've been critical of praising? You know better. I can shout with the best of you. Hey, God gets in this place good. I may just top these pews. I never have, but I might. You say, well, I won't let this can't help it. That's told between you and me. I used to have that disease, and I got over the can't help it, so I help it all I can. <laughs> hey, he said, preach. I don't like it. I don't know what you're going to do when you get to heaven. Amen. You're going to be in bad shape. You ever read the book of Revelation? Get that song, Father. They wouldn't like it went to heaven. He wouldn't like it up there because somebody's always shouting about something. Right. Hey, but there comes time when it's not time to shout. Right. Shouting's good in its place. Yeah. Right. I mean, real shouting now, not this, not this empty. Hallelujah, brother who, that, you know, those folks who, who live ungodly and go out and live like a devil and then come out and praise, come in the house and praise God. That's nothing but emptiness. That's a sham and hypocrisy. Amen. Amen. I don't tell you, friend, if it's real in church, it'll be real out there by yourself on the job. It'll be real wherever you are. You may not shout everywhere. Or sometimes the spiritual atmosphere is not conducive to it. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes... It's not time to shout. Not time to praise. 
He said, but preacher, if it's not time to pray, and it's not time to praise, what's it time for? It's time to practice. Amen. And when it's time to practice, praying and praising won't take the place of practicing. Because praying and praising without practicing is hypocrisy. Uh huh. But praying and practicing without praising is coldness and deadness. And right, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Ask God, I like to pray, and I like to praise, but I also like to practice. I like to participate with God. Keep His commandments. Do those things pleasing in His sight. Brother, when it's time to walk the straight line, it's time to practice. And it's time to practice. It's time to believe God. It's time to step out on a promise. It wasn't time just to pray and praise. The praying and the praising has already been. And now it's time to step in. Now you can praise in prayer. They could have stepped up and said, Glory to God. Thank God. Watch this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But let's don't get ahead of ourselves. You know what we'd have done? You know what you'd have done? You know what you'd have done? <laughs> After you appointed the committee. How about you fellas form a committee and tell us how to part this thing? How we get across on the other side? You recommend what? Build a bridge. What? Build a raft? Oh, won't you fellas hush it? What did you say? Why don't I believe God? Oh, hush. <laughs> Why don't we just believe what God said? Amen. Now here he is. Watch him. This is what I call the straddlers. Amen. They're not all the way in, and they're not all the way out. If it goes, they'll put the other foot in. Right. Amen. But if it doesn't, they get back out. <laughs> you know Ridgecrest Missionary Baptist Church, don't you? Oh yeah. You got some who are afraid to get in, and some who are afraid to get out. <laughs> All right. That's always true of a new church. You got those who say, that just might not go. But we're going to try it for a little while. And let's keep this one foot anchored down. Let's keep our tie to that other church, you know, just for a while and see if it goes. Let's keep our friends over there just in case we need them, you know. And if we get over there in Ridgecrest and it folds under and it doesn't make it we can always pull out respectably and say we didn't think it'd go we really love you folks and we want to stay over here with you straddlers you see them 
You see them? According to which crowd they're with, you know. How they're talking, what they're doing. You know? But if you're with them, you know, yeah, we're with you, fellas. We sure are. We got one foot in. I can't stand that straddling crowd. Is that why? Because I used to be just like this. Right, amen. Man, I remember when I first went to Myrtle, Mississippi, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> and Myrtle, Mississippi, if your information is a local Baptist church, it's not a charismatic crowd, it's not a tongue talking crowd. It's just, it's a local Southern Baptist church for your information. You say, well, I don't believe that. I was part of it for years and years. I used to be a member there for years. And it is a local Southern Baptist church. But that's immaterial. What I'm telling you is this. They're the old-fashioned kind and kind. And the believing power of God, holy walking, right living, Amen. but enjoying it and not enduring it. Amen. And I went there, and I didn't know what to do. Amen, brother. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to do that crown. But I liked it. Amen. Didn't want to do it, but I sure did like Amen. it. Amen. But you know how I was? I wanted to keep one foot out with my brethren. Another foot in with them, because yeah. I like what they're doing, but I didn't want to get too far out, you know. Uh, you know, be called fanatical. And I remember one day, Lord said, "Son, you're gonna get all the way in, or all the way out." And it wasn't just identifying with the place; it was identifying with truth. And I will say something to you, church: God can't bless you, and God can't use you as an individual. If you don't put both feet in the water. Amen, brother. Amen. That's right. Just decide which way you go. Amen. Hallelujah. Be like Joshua and got ready to die. He said, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs> said, we're going to stay with God. Yeah. And that's what you're going to have to decide. Whether or not this church goes or doesn't go, you ought to go up with it or down with it. Amen. If you're going to get in, get both feet in, gank her down, and say if she goes to 10,000, we're going to be here. Or if she goes down to 10, I'm going to be one of the 10 right Amen. here when she goes down. You say, but I don't want to do that. Well, go find your church somewhere you can get in. Amen. I can't help them time. Hey, I just told them to leave. Hey, I don't want you to go. I want you to get in. But what I'm saying is, folks, stragglers, stragglers never see the glory of God. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. But I want to give you one admonition. If you are afraid and you just can't decide to put both feet in, back away from the river and get back down here with the rest of the crowd and be a sight Baptist and let some folks get up there who got enough faith to make this church go and step in and then follow them. Amen. <laughs> hey, I like that. I mean, if you don't have enough faith to get in all the way, just back up and wait till she starts going and then jump in and say, look what we did. <laughs> hey, you got that straddling crowd. Then you got that toe-dipping crowd. You know what they are, don't you? That's right. <laughs> we'll try it one time. We'll visit one time, you know. The one that I like it. Not our kind.
Maybe once more time. He wants to visit one more time. Can we visit one more time? And just not that crap. Dear friend, it doesn't make any difference whether it's this church or any other church. Or what it is God wants you to do. You're never going to see the glory of God till you put both feet in. Amen. And declare, decide what you're for. That's the reason I'm a church evangelist. I'm for the local church. Amen. I don't believe in this crowd calling them spiritual who run off down here and won't come to church. No. I've seen some folks who said, well, are we not coming to church again? Do you get a new preacher? And they go off and stay six months and never darken the door of the church. And then somebody says, sir, says about them, well, they're so spiritual. They come back if you get a new preacher. They're not spiritual. They wouldn't even know what salvation is if they ran into it in the daylight. Because if it's right with God, they couldn't go off Amen. down there and stay home because they got somebody living inside them called the Holy Ghost who wants to go to church. Amen. Amen. If you ever get a place you don't want to go to church, if you say the Holy Ghost does, He loves church because Jesus Amen. manifests Himself in the midst of the church. And you can't wait to get to church. And if you take the Holy Ghost somewhere He doesn't want to go, He'll make you so miserable you'll be glad to come to church next Sunday. But then you have what I call the shakers. That's that crowd who finally get up here and they say, and they jump back out. You say, but preacher, I'm in. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible told the the promise was, uh, let them stand still in Jordan. And when the soles of the feet come to rest. Amen. <laughs> Some folks are reading and never see the glory of God. They don't have faith. Faith is resting. When you believe and you do what he says, you don't even have to see it before doing it. Because you've got the confidence of seeing it. Now watch the performance. I don't believe that first priest even checked up. I believe when he got a hold of the ark. God always performs what He promises. And His promise always persuades you of the performance. That's the reason you need to be studying the promises of God. So when He came up there, He just stepped out into a promise. He took out art, each one of them stepped out there with Him. And then the soles of the feet came to rest. And they stood still. In Jordan. And when they did, that river parted. 
And the water stood up. And it was just like a dam. The display of the mighty power of God was determined by the saint stepping out into a promise and doing what he said. The display of the power of God is connected with his promise, folks. And God will perform what he said. And this crowd stepped out into this river and it said it stood upon a heap. You say, what happened then? There was a pathway for the people of God on dry ground. You say, but did people get their feet wet? No, the priest did. And the only ones who did. And that's the reason the greatest lesson you'll have tonight out of this is learning how to follow the man of God. You won't have to get your feet wet. Just get in on what he's in on. <laughs> Amen. And if he's in on what he's supposed to be in on, God's going to honor it. You know what God said of Joshua? I'm going to magnify you in the eyes of the people this day. Folks, a man of God must be magnified in the eyes of his people. That's the truth. You must trust that man of God. But something's going to have to happen in his life to magnify him in your eyes. And God has such a way of working in his men to where people follow him. Amen. And when you find a man of God that God's working in his life, you can get behind that man of God and follow Amen. him. You say, but all preachers are not what they're supposed to be. I will be the first to admit that. And I'll also be the first to admit that I may not straight, may straight myself. I may not stay straight. But I've prayed a prayer and it's been my prayer. God, if any time you know that I'm going to go wrong down the road, and I'm going to shame and disgrace your name, kill me before that happens. I want to live my life to where I don't mind you or the Internal Revenue Service or anybody else checking on my conduct. I want to live my life so that I can add respect to a respectable position. Let me say something to you very carefully. The position of preacher is worthy of your respect. The man in the position is in a position that is respectable. It is a respectable position. The man can either add respectability to it or shame and disgrace it by his person. But if a man in the position causes disgrace and disrespect to the respectable position, the position is not bad. It was the man in the position. Therefore, do not judge all men and all positions according to some men who are in those positions. Amen. God called preachers. God appointed preachers. They're elected. They don't run for office. They're divinely elected and appointed by the Lord. And they have a respectable position. The devil knows if one of them can fall. If one of them falls, disgrace will be added to the ministry. But only in the minds of those who don't know 
that that position is still worthy of respect and there are some men of God adding respect to that position and because some have fallen it doesn't mean that all have fallen there's still some man of God to follow to the jumping off place to the stepping into the river and step in with them and God will bless you Amen. the position is respectable the man of God should be respectable and if he is and God's working in his life, God will magnify him in the eyes of the people. He won't magnify himself. The preacher won't have to stand and tell you what a good job he's doing. He won't have to stand and tell you he's a man of God. You'll see God working in his life. And that's the man you follow. You say, but I can't follow him. Well, if you can't follow the man of God, you go find you one that you can follow. And don't you set yourself up as a man of God if you're not a preacher. You say, but you're bragging on yourself. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just Charles Shipman. Little old boy grew up in Chipotle, Mississippi. I'm not worthy of my position. But God didn't call me because I was worthy. He sent me in it. And he appointed me to it. And I want to be the kind of preacher that my folks in Western Arkansas can follow to the jumping off place and jump off with me. He said, are you always right? I try to be. But I tell him if I'm ever wrong, folks, I tell you. And I want to be the type of evangelist that you can believe what I preach and what I say and the way I live. That you can follow whatever I say and jump off with me. Because you see, I know one thing. When I go into a church like this, I'm going to follow the leadership of the man of God. I'm not over this church. He is. And whatever he says, I do. Because you see, if he is the man of God here in this place, God's blessing him and magnifying him in your eyes. You say, but that hasn't happened yet. Give God time. Because there'll come a day when he will. He will in some, sometime in others, other times. But what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, church on the move, the orders come down from Joshua. Jehovah's salvation. Jesus in the New Testament. And he's the one who tells the priest what to do. And the priest step out and the people follow that priest. And if it's operating right, the confidence of the people is built because they find dry ground there for them to walk on. But you see, and listen to me and them through, if you're with the man of God instead of for the man of God, when he steps in, you're stepping in even though you're way back in the ranks. If you're for the man of God, you say, well, I'm for you, Brother Jim. You go ahead, but you're not with him. You can stand here and be for him, and the attitude is, well, if you make it fine, if you don't make it fine, we for you. And I've seen some church folks like that with a man of God. Yeah. They say, we're for you. But if it doesn't work out, they'll cut him off just like that's that. Right. Amen. Yeah. That's right. But if you're with him instead of for him, when he steps off, you'll say, there I go. Amen. 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 <laughs> That's me doing it with you, brother. When you step by step, that's right. It's all one and one for all. When he steps out, you step out with him.
And then God's obligated to do what he said he'd do. Not that we obligated, he obligated himself to his promise. That's what the book of Hebrews says, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So he swore by himself to keep his promise. And whatever he says will be that way. All you got to do is just believe what he said, and that's all. See, that'll be true in salvation. If you've never been saved, what you need to do is believe the promise of God. And if you'll repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And that saved is a promise, but the believing of that promise is left up to you. And when you step in, there will be a performance of the promise that He gave you. But I want to say something else to you. If you're a child of God and you're upset and bothered, you ought to believe His promise. One day I read a promise in the book of Hebrews where He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, God, that's a promise. And He swore by Himself, not by me. He said, I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. And He's not giving me that promise. He gave it and swore by Himself. It's going to be that way. And I just stepped into it. <laughs> hey, hey, it's already His promise. But all of a sudden I believed it and I knew it. It's mine because it was already there, see. As some promises that won't change. They're just that way. But there's some that are active. Like when he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. When God tells you a thing, you do it. And I guarantee you can step out in a promise and there'll be a performance. God will do exactly what he said he'd do. That's what's called obedience rest, church. Obedience rest. Do it because he said it. And there'll be a performance of what he promised. Let's bow our heads while we pray together. Our Heavenly Father, tonight, the message is so involved. There's so many things in here that I really don't know what all you're doing in this invitation time. But Lord, this is the message that you stirred in my heart today. And we tried to get ready for this service tonight. And I know that you've guided this church and you've directed this church. And Lord, you've moved it out for your glory. And I believe that there are some that are here tonight who need to get both feet in. I believe there's some whose attitude needs to be live, die, sink, or swim. Up or down, success or failure, ever which way she goes, I'm going with it. Lord, I, I ask you to help the service tonight. Now, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, even without any singing tonight, I don't even feel like we ought to, ought to stand. I think our pianist ought to play for us. I believe while you remain in your seat except to come, I believe that there's some that God's dealing with tonight. And God's going to make you have to get up out of that seat. And He wants you to come and get both feet in tonight and say, I'm with you. I'm with you, preach. I'm with you, Lord. Whether she goes up or down, I'm in both feet tonight. You know, I just felt that today. When I was getting ready for this, I didn't know that this was going to be the way it turned, but I thought so. And there may be other things you need to do, but there's some of you right now just need to get up out of your pew and come on down here and make an official decision before God. That God, we're going to get both feet in tonight. Both feet for your glory. And whether she goes up or whether she goes down, Lord, we want you to know 
we in. You come on right now while God's dealing with you. You may be here tonight and you're worried and you're upset and you're perplexed and wondering how in the world are you going to make it. And God's spoken to you and given you a promise. But you hadn't practiced that. You hadn't performed it. And that you hadn't stepped out on it. God's given you an opportunity now. You come on right now while these, while she's playing for us. And if you've never been saved, friend, you'll never know rest till you believe in a finished work of God's grace. You come on. I don't know what all God wanted to do tonight. Like I said at the beginning. All I know is. That there's something precious. That God's dealing with you about. And he's asking you. Just to get both feet in. I don't know what the decision is you need to make. But you just get up out of your seat. Come on right now. Won't you? Come on right now. What God's doing. You know the decision. You know what God's led you to do. And there may be one of you, God's dealt with you by an act of obedience and you had none. Would you just slide out and come on? Slide out and come on. He said, Preacher, why doesn't He make me? No, He's going to give you an opportunity to be obedient tonight. He's going to give you an opportunity to come. Come on. Come on right now while God's dealing with you. This is the time. You just take one step out there, a step of faith. I step into a promise that God take care of the performance. If there's a persuasion in your heart, come on. Come on right now while God's leading you. Oh, there's something the Spirit of God's dealing with somebody about being with you. The Lord hasn't just shared that with me. I can't tell exactly what it is. But God's dealing with somebody about going to somebody and just tell him, I want you to know I'm with you. And I'm praying for you. Maybe it is you need to go and sit down and say, I love you. And I'm with you. Maybe through your trial and your suffering, I don't know what it is. But there's somebody here tonight that God's moving on you. This is a church on the moon. While we're moving out, God's moving on somebody to come here tonight and do something. I don't know what. What about it? Maybe God's moved on you to move your membership to this church. Come on, Come on. Say, well, I just feel like God wants me in this church, but I'm going to wait to see this is where God told you to be. This is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. Say, preach, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to keep one back on the river. One, one foot on the bank and one foot in the river. You won't see any glory. I won't see any glory. Amen. You're going to have to decide. Are you for it or with you? God doesn't want you with you. You just be for it. Hey. Hey. And He wants you to with you. With you when I give up for you. Come on. Thank God for the easy to come. But you're going to have to decide. Well, not you're going to get both feet in. That's what this night's all about.
the book would be a lot easier just to wait and see. Well, if that's what you need, then just step back, back in the crowd, back over there, and just wait. But while you're waiting, you're going to miss out on the initial beginning.